Hey, welcome to Crosswalk Church. Today, Pastor Dan is bringing you a teaching, so head over to crosswalkphoenix.com and find today's message under the worship tab. There you can download the Crosswalk notes to follow along. And now, here's Pastor Dan. You've already heard the word courage here today, and we use the word courage actually often, but I, when, when I started thinking about this message, I realized that the word courage is... is is one of those words where I don't, we use it a lot, but I don't know if we really think a lot about what it means to have courage. And so what I did is, what, what I do sometimes when I don't know, and I, I go on the internet, and I put in courage, and then I hit images, because that's the way I think. Help me see. Don't, don't tell me what courage is. Show me what courage is. So this is the first picture that I came to with courage, all right. And we have the, the situation where the, you have the bully uh, who's picking on someone smaller than him, and you could probably write in a script, I want your lunch money, you're not going past me until I get that. Two bucks to get by me or, or I'm gonna beat you up. And when we think of courage, I guess, we, we think of that individual saying, I'm not giving you my lunch money. I don't care. It, it's, you can pound me. You can beat me up. You're not getting my lunch money. Or maybe he'll, he'll fight him. And in the movies, you know, he comes up with his big punch and he beats the bully up. But in my life, I just got beat up and then the next day would come and take another beating and probably give him my lunch money anyways because it was my brother and he knew how much money I had. <laughs> Okay, so that's courage. Uh, another one when we think of courage. This, this picture was taken on Patriot's Day when the Boston Marathon was run. And the individual there, uh, I don't know if you saw this story or not, but uh, she was in the original bomb blast uh, that was three years earlier, and both her legs were amputated. And she celebrated three years later by having courage. And the courage that we see is that not only did she run in that marathon again, but she, she ran, as you can see, without legs, with prosthetic legs. And, and we look at that and we say, that is courage. That is courage that you would go back to the very place under, under threat and high security that, that something like that could happen again, and you have courage. One other one I think we have, yeah. Uh, this is from Phoenix Children's Hospital, a place where little kids have courage and parents have courage. And, and they face this, this disease or this battle, whatever happens to be, whether it happens to be cancer or another disease, and we look at that and we say, that person has courage because of the way that they are facing this disease. Now, when you look at courage, the, the, the meaning and the definition of this is, is that someone who has courage stands up against intimidating forces, stands up against something that they are afraid of, or stands up against something that they most likely cannot defeat. That is what, what courage is. And, and as you look at courage, Understand that the opposite of courage, that if you choose, you, you have courage, the other opportunity is for you to be 
a coward. And so let's back up. Let's back up to where I'm getting my lunch money stolen. And I say, you know what? Two bucks is, is it's not too much to pay for not getting beaten up today. And so here it is. Here's my two bucks. Uh, just don't, don't hurt me. Or the, the person, in, it's very understandable if they are an amputee from a bomb blast to say, you know what? I never want to go back there again. I, I don't want to have to deal with that. I can't walk let alone run, I can't do this. Or, or a person who's, who's sick with cancer or something else to say, you know what, I'm, I'm done fighting. I, I don't want to have to face this every day. I'm just going to go lay down in a dark place somewhere and I want to die. This is difficult. And, and when you look at the, the difference between courage and cowardice, we see that, that sometimes it can be razor thin because the things that we face in our life are very real and very powerful and they scare us. And, and that our options are somewhat limited. And so one of the things I would like you to think about today, and, and as we're going through the message, I want this to, to be something that you are thinking about and, and to think in terms of what it is that you are facing. What is the most intimidating thing that you are facing in your life? That you realize that, that as you're facing it, that you have an option of, of facing it or, or maybe just backing away, of living to fight another day, that you're blaming it on someone else, that you're saying, I'm a victim, there's nothing I can do. And as you think about that, it, it, and as I was going through this week, it made me think of a quote uh, from Shakespeare, from the play Julius Caesar. And, and this is the quote. And I can't read it from that far away. Okay, cowards die many times before their death. The valiant never taste of death but once. Of all the wonders that I have yet heard, it seems to me most strange that men should fear, seeing that death a necessary end will come when it will come. And, and the part I want you to think about is where it says that the, the cowards, those, those who do not face their fears, die a thousand deaths. That, that think about that in terms of the bully. That what's going to happen is if, when I give him my $2 each day, the next day he's going to come back and come back and come back. Or when I have courage, <laughs> it might get ugly and it might get bloody and even here it says that when you have courage, understand, let's not, let's not pretend about this, that sometimes when you show courage, you can die. That your reward for showing courage is death. But Julius Caesar and William Shakespeare would argue that possibly there are worse things than death. And one of them is dying a death inside every day. I have to believe you feel that way about something in your life, in an area where you are, are not showing courage, in an area where you are afraid. And today as we look into God's word, you are going to receive encouragement. Get that word, encouragement where God comes to you, someone who does not have courage, 
someone who looks inside themselves and say, I cannot make this fight. I cannot win this fight. I'm going to maybe live to fight another day and I'll take defeat today. And God, through his word and the message of Jesus Christ, gives you courage to take a stand and to live for him. We go to Acts chapter 4 and an account of courage. Acts chapter 4, beginning with the first verse. The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. What had happened here with with Peter and John was that they specifically, they had healed a man. And when they were asked, how were you able to heal this man? They said, well, it's easy. It's through Jesus. Uh, Jesus, the one who rose from the dead. Jesus, the one who you crucified. That is how we are able to do the miracle that we are doing. And when they heard this, especially the, the temple guard and the Sadducees, they were disturbed. And if you were to look at the pages of scripture and search the word Sadducees, you will see that one of the main teachings of the Sadducees, who were religious leaders of the day, they taught that and argued that there was no resurrection from the dead, not only of Jesus, but not for anyone ever. And so you could see that as these men were preaching the resurrection, the Sadducees were very interested in this because this is something that they were against. In the blank, you can write, the leaders of Israel still had a lot to lose. They still had a lot to lose. This was maybe 60 days after Jesus had rose from the dead, and they still, their their grasp on their power was very tenuous, and they were afraid of losing it. Now, this is the point that, for this point that you need to understand for the areas where you are not showing courage. And that is those who bully you, those who want to intimidate you, those who want to shut you up, always have something to lose. And and as we look at this, you could argue, well, if the Sadducees were leaders of the people, and they were religious leaders, and they knew that Jesus rose from the dead, wouldn't it make sense to them to say, oh, we were wrong, we want to follow God, since that's what they wanted? They should have followed the disciples. But when people have a lot to lose, the truth doesn't make any difference. And if you think that's not the case, just one example from the world today, I want you to think about the NFL, National Football League, and the approach that they have taken over the last 20 years on concussions. And, and when you look at that, I mean, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a rocket scientist, anything like that, but when you tell me that a running back running into a line of scrimmage and being hit by another player is the equivalent of being in a car hitting a wall at 35 miles an hour every time they get tackled, and then you're going to tell me that it doesn't affect them and it doesn't affect their brains? I mean, that's just, that, that's like unfathomable. I mean, just common sense would tell you that that something's got to give. And so the NFL, though, over that period of time, they had so much to lose, like $12 billion a year. 
and franchises and, and merchandise and all of those different things. And so what did they do? They, they cover up, they deny, they shift in order to keep the product, in order to keep what they need for themselves. Understand, this is, this is the point. You are going to run into to, to those against whom you are going to have to have courage, who are going to lie because they have so much to lose. And then what they're going to do is Acts 4, the next section. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. The next day, the rulers, the elders, and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or name did you do this? As we read this, if this sounds somewhat familiar, if you were here on Good Friday, or or if you've ever read about what happened to Jesus right before he was killed, this is what they did. They arrested Jesus. They brought him before the Sanhedrin. They brought him before the high priest, Annas, and another person named Caiaphas. That this, this was now, they were in this government, it was a sham. See, because the temple guard and the Sadducees were part of this ruling body. And so now the intimidation began. And the way that it started is with your arrest. Then it went from that to a trial that you know you couldn't win because it was already stacked against you. And you know that the disciples for sure were able to look at Jesus and say, look how this is going to end. This is going to, for us to end with with being railroaded through this trial and probably being killed. And these people knew that too. So what they were hoping is, we threaten them, we intimidate them, and then they'll go back to where they came from and keep their mouth shut. In the blank, you can write, the leaders used intimidation to quiet their opposition. The leaders used intimidation to quiet their opposition. Please understand that that whatever you are facing, there's a degree of intimidation going on as well. Think of the, the images we see on TV that are intimidation. One of them as it is with terrorists. They want you to see, they videotape things on purpose so that you can see it, and when you see it, you say, I don't want that to happen to me, and so I'm going to do whatever possible so that it doesn't. That can happen individually, it can happen as a nation, where there is a show of force, where now missiles are going to be launched to let you know that, you know what, this missile is being launched, and we can reach you where you're at. We, we can reach you where you're at, and, and we don't even need to be part of it. We can just launch it from, from where we live. You are not safe. And the ultimate threat that, that was used is death. It was for Peter and John. It is with, with governments today. The ultimate threat is we can take your life from you, and then it's over. And it might, just, it might be your life or your way of life or your wealth or your livelihood or the things you love in your life, but intimidation comes when they threaten to take things that you value the most. And when you can be intimidated, becoming a coward is not far behind because we do it in the name of not losing what is most valuable 
to us. It had happened to Peter, but on this day, this day it changed. We continue. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. This is a completely different Peter now, okay? Remember, this is Peter before the, the Sanhedrin saying, this is exactly what happened, and, and associating him, himself and his preaching, directly connecting it to Jesus. When again, about 60 days earlier, he was intimidated. And it wasn't the, the Sanhedrin that got him to crack, it was a little slave girl. Remember, it was, it was, they were standing out by the fire, and a little girl, a little girl said to Peter, you sound like you have an accent from Galilee, you must be one of them. And he's like, no, 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 and, and he goes away afraid, goes running out, curses, cursing God's name and, and Jesus and, and denying his relationship with him. That's how fragile Peter was. Now, why was that? Because just a few hours earlier, when Jesus predicted this, that all of them would be cowards, Peter said, even if all fall away on account of you, I will never, never, ever be a coward. I have courage. I will stand up for this Lord. And the mistake that Peter made is a classic one. And it's one that I hope you don't make, and that is believing that because of your own convictions and your own strength and your own power, that you will have courage. As much as it pains me to quote a Green Bay Packer, oh my goodness, Vince Lombardi, I'm going to do it. It's in my sermon now, I have to. But he's the one who said, fatigue makes cowards of us all. And it's so true, and it's not just true about sports where everyone wants to win when they get on the field, but you get hit in the mouth a few times, that you have the other team push on you, and all of a sudden you, you think, I can't do this. And maybe you're right. Fatigue makes cowards of us all. And I am telling you that if you are living and you think you have courage that is on you and, and courage that you have to muster from the inside, that you are going to get leaned on, that you are going to get sick, that you are going to be distanced from God and his strength, and you will, over a period of time, you will fall. But that's not what Peter did this time, is it? that Peter was no longer going to his own strength, but we are told that he is filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, connected to a specific message about the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. In the blank, you can write, the Holy Spirit gave Peter courage to speak. He gave courage to, for Peter to speak and understand that this courage, that if you come in here today and if you were to say, like me, that, that fatigue and my sin inside of me makes me a coward in some of the biggest battles I need to fight, 
that the Holy Spirit also comes with encouragement, with courage for you today, and it's through a message. And that message is what follows in Acts chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. Jesus is the stone which the builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. This is Peter saying this to the leaders of the people, that Jesus is the the, the stone. You guys threw him out. You said there's no use for Jesus. He has no place in our religious teachings. And what God has done is he has taken this Jesus that you killed, and he's built the entire church on him, on this truth that he holds the power over sin and over death. And that is what Christianity and and Peter's beliefs now are based on. Not Not the courage and the strength of Peter, but on what Christ has already done and accomplished. And he goes on to say, salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. There's no other way. And and as, as Peter is sharing this message, it's not just to stand up to the bully. But, but to help the bully see that, that you are also afraid. I understand how afraid you are because I've been there. I know what it's like to have all of this in front of you and be afraid that you're going to lose it all. But there's something better. And that something better is salvation. In the blank you can write, Jesus and only Jesus offers salvation in every sense of the word. He offers salvation in every sense of the word. Hopefully, when you think of the salvation Jesus brings, that you think of him bringing you out of this world to be with him in heaven. And that is salvation. And and that is going to heaven through faith in Jesus that you believe and trust in him. But I am telling you that, that Jesus also gave Peter another type of salvation. And it was a salvation from the way that he was living in fear in his life. That when you look at why Peter denied Jesus, it was because he had so much to lose. He had his life to lose. He had his place in the temple. They could kick him out of the temple for the rest of his life. He could be kicked out of the synagogue. He could be disowned by his family. And, and as Peter looked at this and he, and he thought about Jesus as a teacher and, and all the things that Jesus taught and how true they were, that he's like, you know what, as true as those things are, I think I can still have those in, in, in Judaism where I was living before. And what changed that? What changed that was seeing Jesus' victory over death. And, and as Peter, Peter stepped back, something that we need to see as well is this. Everything that you have in life, okay, just in case no one told you this, is going to be taken away. All right? I, and I know we say it in different ways, like, you know, you, you, can't, you don't see a U-Haul behind a hearse or something like that. But, but this truth is, the truth is, is that everything you have in life will slowly be taken away. And, and so all of those things that, that Peter was afraid of losing... Ultimately, death separated him from them. And so what Peter began to realize that instead of living my life in fear of losing them, I am going to start to live my life in confidence for the things that I can never lose. And understand that I can make a conscious decision instead of living my life in fear that I'm slowly going to lose all these things that are so valuable to me, 
that I'm going to push them up on the table. That, that, that if this was a, a poker game, that he's going all in. Take all of these things because they don't mean anything to me because of what I do have in Christ. And I hope that is where you begin to understand where courage will start in your life. Because the things that you are afraid of losing, the people that you are afraid of losing, to, to really get in your head, this is simply a matter of timing. And having fights that are worth fighting and confidence in fighting enemies of your faith and enemies of your God that you can stand up to with the power of Christ. Let's continue. We see it in Jesus. When they saw the courage of Peter and John, they realized that they were unschooled and ordinary men, and they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Saying the thing I just said before, the same truth. This was not from them. It's not like these were incredible human beings that were amazing. They were average, normal people with an incredible God. And they recognized that with these men, what they were able to see, that it was deja vu for them. That they realized that they had been here 60 days earlier, and the person standing before them was Jesus. And now as they had his disciples there, they're like, oh my goodness, it's just... They're just like him. We can't intimidate them anymore. That their message is being preached clearly. That they're standing up when, when we're trying to take these things away. It's like they don't care. In the blank you can write, courage is a result of spending time with Jesus. And that is where we go. And that is where where courage is conceived, where courage is is given birth, and and the strength behind courage is given. Only in Jesus Christ. And when we look at him, we think of Jesus as our savior, we think of him as true God and true man, the one who has gone to the cross, and all of those things are true. But also, it would be wrong for us not to see Jesus as the one who has courage. Jesus, the the one who has true God, you could say as true God, he didn't have to have courage because he's, he's bigger and stronger than everyone else. But we know that Jesus became one of us. That in his humanity, he is one of us. And, and so he faced the same enemies that we face. And he had courage. Whether it be the leaders of the day, whether it be sickness or disease, the, the, the leprosy, the blindness, the, the whatever it is, the demon-possessed people, it didn't make any difference. Jesus went in there with courage because he also understood the power of the Father and his own power as well. And that is why he was able to stand up to the leaders and, and, and face, face even death, death on the cross. Courage. Courage doesn't mean that you are not going to suffer. Courage doesn't mean that things will not be taken away from you. But even when they are, you know that it is worth it, that the battle you are fighting is worth fighting. We continue. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. So now they're, they're faced with this other reality that this, that this was all about a person being healed and he's standing right there. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and, and then conferred together. 
What are we going to do with these men, they asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows they have performed a notable sign, and we cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them. Let's go back to our intimidation tactics. To speak no longer to anyone in this name, then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. Sorry, guys, <laughs> that, that this might have worked a couple months ago, but, but it's over. It is over. You have to understand that we are now dealing directly with commands and promises from God. We are here. What we have seen, do you understand what we've seen? We have seen Jesus risen from the dead. We are serving the God who has all power, he's got all power over life and death. And when you intimidate us or try to intimidate us like this, <laughs> I'm sorry, but what would you do if you were us? Would you, would you obey God or obey you? And the answer is clear. Obviously, I would obey God. He's almighty. He's the one who gives life and death. He's the one who saves us from death. He's the one who gives us eternal life. He gives us the power and the courage to face the problems of this life. In him, we have salvation in every sense of the word. In the blank, you can write, Peter knew that the leaders could not take anything of lasting value from him. And one of my favorite fill-ins, we've had this one before, he was playing to an audience of one. <laughs> Whenever we get in problems with, with courage, that's the way it always is. And I'll, I'll, I'll pick on Tom, I'm picking on you a little bit. Tom, Tom, as he came off stage, you know, because he's doing this courage thing with, with beginning to be a worship leader and, and what it's like, he asked me, how do you think I did? And I said, what difference does it make how I think you did? And I told him, look at the fill-in. You're playing to an audience of one. If you want to know the secret to, to being up here and, and sharing the message, I don't care what you think. I really don't. <laughs> Think about this. If I'm playing to you as an audience and God is not happy with the message I'm preaching, I'm in a little bit bigger trouble no matter what you people could do to me. <laughs> and so the, the, the thing that we, we come here to do, playing to an audience of one, just so we're clear, I'm preaching the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the salvation that comes through him, okay? Because that is pleasing to God, who has told Peter and John to do it, and he's told me to do it, and newsflash, he's told you to do it as well. And when you begin to live your life in such a way that I care about you, but I don't care more about you than I care about what God wants. I'm sorry, that's just the way it is. And when you begin to have that type of relationship, you would think that that's going to alienate you from people, when exactly the opposite happens. When in my marriage I play to an audience of one, my wife is blessed. She is blessed because I'm trying to be God-pleasing, not pleasing to her. And in a, in a group of people, when a, a pastor or preacher or teacher, whoever comes up here and they play to an audience of one, you are blessed. Not because you hear what you want to hear, but you hear because, what you need to hear. 
That is what Peter understood. And when you begin to understand that and live that, it's liberating. It is absolutely liberating. Because every day you go to bed with a clear conscience. And and for the areas where I've been a coward, because I still am, the Lord offers me forgiveness and strength to live another day. The final passage, Acts 4, verse 21. After further threats, they let them go. They're They're still going back to the old way. Maybe if we threaten them a little more. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. So now we have this issue with all the people getting involved. And now the, the, the court of public opinion is involved. And in the blank you can write, courage from God is contagious. That people see what they had and they wanted it. And for this contagious courage that comes from God, Right now where you are at is one place where you get it, and that is worship here as we we join together around God's word. But there's courage other places. Yesterday we had a marriage seminar at Crosswalk, and there were individuals there who I know didn't want to be there. And the reason why is they they hide their cowardice with words like, I'm non-confrontational. I don't want to have to deal with the problems in my marriage because they scare me. Or, or the, they're, they're afraid of the possibility that they may change or, or the sins they've committed might be exposed. And so it was courageous and they were brave as they went there and they were open and honest and transparent and confessing and forgiving with their spouse. At Resilient Meeting, which meets here Saturday night at 6 o'clock, I'm telling you, it is filled with people who are courageous and brave. Courageous and brave as they look at at addictions or hurts or habits or hang-ups in their own lives, and they are honest about them, and they go to the Lord and they say, Lord, I cannot handle this. I need you. I need you, Lord, to to give me the strength to face the, the trials of each day. They happen in growth groups as individuals get together. You can see the the notes that are on here, the things that will be discussed through the week. As we go back to God's word, we can discuss courage specifically. We can talk about specific things in our group that, that are making me feel like I can't continue to go on, the areas where I'm fatigued, the help that I need from others and the support to give me the encouragement to continue to go on. If you are going to have courage, you need to have the Holy Spirit. And if you want the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit works through the power of the word in which you need to be every single day. God makes a few promises about prayer. And two things he promises about prayer specifically. Number one, if you pray for wisdom and you continue to to go after wisdom, he will give it to you. And the second is, that when you pray to him for the Holy Spirit, he promises he will give you the Holy Spirit. Those are, that read through the Bible about prayer and what God wants you to ask for, and then also understand where the Holy Spirit is found. It is in the word of God. May you go from here today filled with the Holy Spirit, connected to God through the message of Jesus Christ and the resurrection from the dead and the salvation that he gives you, not only to go to heaven one day, but also saving you from the fears of this life. 
and with his strength, may you live with courage. Let's pray. Wow, Lord, this is, this is just crazy stuff. It really is. When, when we look at what we're up against in life, and we have some huge enemies with sin and with death and the devil, and then with a bunch of other enemies besides. But Lord, you are the all-powerful God. You are the Lord Almighty. You are the God who has gone to the cross, paid the price for sin of all time. You are the God that the tomb could not hold, and you rose up to show your victory. Now, Lord, we ask that you would help us to rise up. Help us to to go back to that message of, of forgiveness, the message of love, the message of resurrection. And Lord, help us to see salvation on a daily basis in our lives. Help us to cling to you daily and help us to gather around your word daily as well. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So before we close, if you would like more information about Crosswalk or to listen to other messages, head over to crosswalkphoenix.com or come and see us. Services are held at Cesar Chavez High School at 41st Avenue and Baseline on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. Visit our website for directions. And now some closing thoughts from Pastor Dan. On your crosswalk notes, you'll see the second page of that is our growth group questions. About two-thirds of the way down, there's a question that talks about as you face a fear, think of how liberating that can be. And that's considering the possibilities. That's considering what it is to live as a child of God and and the freedom that he gives us. Please take a moment that, that as you think about the fears you're facing and, and the, the biggest ones that have a grip on you, take the first step of writing it down. At least identify it. And as you get that fear down, I want you to put the name of Jesus next to it. And, and as you look at that, not your name, Jesus' name. And, and when you see that, you will see the power that you have, the confidence where it comes from in Christ, and the power he gives you to face that fear as you move forward. And as you go, go also with the Lord's blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace. Amen. We'll see you on the patio.